0: live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We can discuss it all.
1: Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio.
2: Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. I'm excited. We missed this last week. So we had to get it in this week, as Tim Moore said. We had a bye week last week with some technical difficulties. Duck, Riley, how are you, sir? Doing
1: well, President. I gotta give a couple of shout-outs because uh, my my physical therapy uh, group, uh, Laura and Stephanie, are trying to get me uh, walking ahead of the schedule. So hey, we gotta give them a shout-out. So I gotta get them on the show one of these times. And also Super get Eagle Auto, that Drew and Ira. Hey guys. Take your card there. It's worth
2: it. Amen. Amen. Tim Moore, you you got any shout outs for your Jets and a new quarterback? <laughs> oh, wow.
3: oh, oh, they, uh, no, I
0: I just uh, I just hope they do something with that offensive line too, because uh, I don't care yeah. who they put back they, they, you know, if they can't protect them, they're gonna have problems.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, hey, and hey, Doug, don't laugh. Tim got me five times just in last night. so oh. he, wouldn't, hey, he wouldn't let up. Hey, look, Tim, Tim snuck that. up. Uh, who did who did the Oregon State play again? Last yeah, night? <laughs> and, and I was talking and I stopped because I didn't hear him. And that's what he had.
1: <laughs> I got to watch Played my homeboy yeah. sliding that stuff in there, Prince. He slid it in only on
2: for you. me. Only for me, it's Steve <laughs> He leaves his homeboy And then he puts the Florida State Oh, oh Tommy Bouton's on, let me not go there Okay, let me just go <laughs> ahead I gotta be careful, I gotta be careful yeah. Coach Tommy yeah. Bowden, how are you, sir?
3: <laughs> good, good evening And, uh, you know, I was going to talk about Florida, not Florida State Oh, you do? <laughs> no, sir yeah. Not seven, tonight. <laughs> seven over over seven hundred yards, the most in school history. Oh man, I I felt for my man Billy Napier because no knowing, knowing it like I do, uh, it's not going to be a good week. Right. See,
2: see, he got it all in anyway. All right, Tommy Bell, you can go ahead and go now. <laughs> all right. Do we have Linda Johnson with us?
4: Yes, no. you do. Good evening, everybody.
2: Hey, Coach, Welcome. how are you?
4: I'm living the dream.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. And the last one was 443 area code. Is this Rob Ambrose or is this Oliver Luck?
5: Nope, this is Rob Ambrose. Thanks for having me again.
2: Glad to be back. Awesome. Thank you, Coach. Glad to have you. All right, Doug, we can get started. We'll wait on on, on Oliver Luck to get in here. I'll let you know.
1: Okay, Uh but I'm going to let Tim start it off because he has uh, a few questions for the, for the panel on, uh, about Michigan. Go ahead, Tim. Sorry. Yeah. Coach
0: uh, Coach Bowden, I was, um,
1: you know, very interested to get a coach's
0: perspective on this thing. I I didn't know until this story broke that there was even a rule that you couldn't scout uh, on campus uh, in college. Uh, I just assumed that everybody was doing that. And um, when I, when I heard about it, it was, kind of stunning to me, and I don't quite understand the rule, uh, number one. But, uh, but I also heard that they were, they were recording it, which is a, a step further. But uh, I'm wondering from a coach's perspective, um, how big a deal is this uh, in terms of the kind of attention it's gotten for the University of Michigan?
3: You know, it, it, to me, it is, it is really, really significant and a big deal and uh, I was a young coach that scouted back in the 80s and 90s uh, when they could, and they stopped it in 94, and then okay. I've, stolen, I've stolen signals as a head coach. Uh, got, I stole my father's <laughs> signal at Florida State, and he, he asked me one time, I said, how did, how did you call that plant versus blitz on the red zone? I said, we got your signals. Uh, you taught me well. But, but uh, if what they say is true, Obviously, something's true because he's been suspended, so something is true they, they have evidence, but if what they say and what I think is true, then i I'm, I'm surprised he's still coach and I, I don't think he'll make it if what they say is true and I've heard a lot of you know our Michigan players, man, I hate it for them. I hate it for the players that had, that, that they had an unfair advantage over uh, for the last the last two or three years, but sitting in a guy with a phone. On both sidelines and then taking it and then a military background. I, I'm not sure how it's what his military background was in, but feeding that in the computer, getting the signals. It is a tremendous advantage. Those guys that say it's not an advantage either haven't coached or have never stolen signals. But uh, <laughs> it, I, I, if what he says is true, it is very significant. And uh, I can understand why he suspended. It would not surprise me. Uh, if they if they let him go, but but if the information's accurate,
0: okay, Coach Johnson, what what's your perspective on this? Uh, you know, the guy standing on the sidelines in a Central Michigan outfit and sunglasses <laughs> at night.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'm I agree 100 percent with uh, Coach Bowden. Uh, you know, stealing signals on game day and things like that—that's that, part of the game. That, that that happens. I mean, that that goes all the way back to youth league. But I think if the things that they're saying, like I said, if it's true disguising someone and going over and recording someone else. That's taking it to a whole other level. And whether or not, to me, whether or not you think the rule is good or silly or you don't understand, the the point is he understood the rule. the rule. The rule is the rule. He knew the rule before he took the coaching job. He gets paid a lot of money. And if you have a problem with it, you say something before you get caught, not after you get caught. And maybe you try to change the rule, but the rule is the rule. We all know the rule. Don't you can't argue it. I don't. Me, I don't understand what the argument is. They're saying, mm-hmm. "Well, it's a silly rule. People do it anyway." I don't care how dumb the rule is. It's a rule. We all abide mm-hmm. by it, and if you get caught, you pay the consequences. Okay,
0: Coach Ambrose. So, uh, what are your thoughts uh, about uh, how significant this is?
5: Well, I, I agree with both coaches. I mean, it's kind of hard not to. I the opportunity to actually go back and watch film. And as the guys that we've done, that we do this for a long period of time, you're watching somebody line up and run a play and you watch the defensive alignment, what they do. And you're like, eh, man, that was a good call. Good call for that play. Good call for that play. Great call for that play. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're going, wow, man. And, uh, there's some talented young coaches out there that, uh, you know, might have their finger on the pulse, have your percentages and with some analytics, but it's awful hard to be right every time. And, I, you know, there is a there's an aspect to that where when you know what's con- – it's pretty easy to play poker when you can see four out of five cards. And in the end, honestly, it has something to do with safety because guys okay. are actually at a mm. physical advantage. Because they know so there, there is no hesitation, there is no doubt, and, gra- and that's the thing you want to coach them to anyhow. But you just took one of the huge variables off the table by doing this, and that's the reason there is a rule for this type of thing. Uh, I'm, and I'm going to stand on the table for the thing that I always do. And just like anything else, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And is this good for the game? Hell no! It's not good for the game. It's not. And if, it, if you keep doing stuff that's not good for the game, you're not going to have it, and we're not going to have the opportunity to talk about it like we did tonight.
0: Coach so so Ambrose, I'm going to stay with you for a second, just a, a related question. Um, um, I, Coach, I know you're, Tim, um, you're...
2: Tim, also I just want to let you know that I think Oliver Luck is on. Let me welcome him to the show. Oh, Oliver beautiful. Luck, how are you? Actually, I think I had the wrong one there. Go ahead, Tim. Okay, Coach Coach Ambrose, let me
0: stay with you on a related uh, question. Um, I I think we all know intuitively, even though the NCAA would deny it, that uh, they treat uh, an SMU who got the death penalty, uh, which they say they'll never do again, um, a little differently than they do a Michigan or a Texas or uh, an Ohio State. Um, Given that, um, do you think it's uh, sort of a – a strange thing that the NCAA hasn't uh, done anything given that they know this early in the season that this, this accusation has been out there um, or is this typically uh, just an NCAA dragging their feet, taking a long time to make a ruling on things?
5: Oh, well, probably like everything. I don't know. I would guess it has something to do with money. Mm -hmm. It has a lot to do with money. Right. and then it has a lot more to do with money.
2: <laughs>
5: whatever, de- whatever decision is made here is going to have an incredible monetary effect for Michigan, for college football playoff, for, and it's going to set a precedent in the future. So uh, is why I don't really complain when they're taking their time a little bit with this because this okay. is the first time through the wall, and whatever happens is going to set a precedent. And they better get it right, because if they screw it up, it's going to be a really big screw-up.
0: Okay, Coach Johnson, same, same question. Uh, we, we know uh, Coach Ambrose points out the fact that it, it, it does have something to do with money, and uh, that's related to the, my whole point is that Michigan, Ohio State, Texas, some of these programs are much more well-moneyed than some of the other programs around the country. Uh, what are your thoughts on this
4: um, The taking so long to deal with this? Oh, I, I agree totally with Coach Ambers. I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's dollars and cents, and you got one of the big, the biggest ones out there involved, and so it's going to have a huge effect. And and also, they're in the running for the college football playoffs. Obviously, they're one of the top four teams right now in the nation, so it's going to affect a lot of different people. But I think the uh, the NCA is taking their time. Cause like Rob said, they have to get this right. And also, I think Coach Bob said before, the fact that something's already happened, they have evidence. It's, it's there. And I know people are questioning whether what was really done. There, there's got to be evidence. There, people aren't going to do what they just did without having uh, some backing behind it. So now it's just a matter of crossing the T's and dotting the I's because they got to get it right because this is this is going to be a game changer. It really is. Yeah. And because now you're going to have if this happened in a smaller school, it's not and that negative. big a deal. but this is going to be happening one of the biggest there is, so it's going to have a huge effect years from now.
1: Yeah,
0: Coach Bowden, uh, Michigan, Notre Dame, Texas, Ohio State—probably the uh, the largest uh, athletic budgets in the country and some of the biggest fan bases uh, that uh, the NCAA deals with. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
3: You know, here is another aspect which I think they might be dragging their feet. NCAA historically drags their feet, but one of the reasons. <laughs> Can you can you imagine now in two weeks, we're, we're we're fixing to play a number two, maybe one and two, maybe two right. and three ranked team in the nation, national televised game, and there's not going to be a head coach on the sideline for one team. That might be hmm. unprecedented. I don't know if that's ever happened. Can you imagine the negative connotations that are going to go against the University of Michigan, the winningest football program at any level, college, pros, or high school, in the history of football, and they're going to play that game on national TV without a head coach because he's getting, being penalized, penalized for something unsportsmanlike or NCAA rules violation. That is going to put a black eye on that university. And there, there could be, as you mentioned, money, some, some money uh, uh, ramifications. But this is going to get, to me, really, really ugly for the University of Michigan in, in two weeks. Uh, when they play on national TV, and when I'm not going to be on the sideline. And and uh, they are dragging their feet, but I'm sure possibly you got playoff contentions, you got national championship contentions, and a lot of things going to play.
0: Okay, Duck, uh, I, I'd like to get your opinion too. Uh, I know you coached at the high school level, but you you played at the pro level, you played at the, at the major college college level. What are your What are your thoughts about this? I'm just
1: I, I'm just kind of wondering and and. Maybe Tom and Rob and Linda can help me out. I'm just looking at it like why, why is the NCAA not taking more accountability instead of shifting it to the conferences? Uh, I'm kind of you know I'm kind of stuck on that. And the other thing is that okay. everybody. Everybody, you know, like everybody kind of takes signals and stuff like that, which they already talked about. And I guess my question, not really answering your question, Tim, is that maybe, again, Rob, Tommy, and Linda could jump on it. Is that why now, when they're signaling in place, you got about eight or nine different people signaling in the signals?
3: Yeah, I think that's what how a lot of teams try to avoid. They had they had multiple signal signal callers, you know, and and that's the easy way, or or just run a player out there. Duff and I when we played, you know, you used to run the play in, and uh, right. I remember. I, in fact, I remember one year, Duck just to not. I don't want to elongate this. The, the the NCAA had a rule where the player that ran in didn't have to stay. So my father actually used me as the guy that ran the play in and had to run back off the field and never got in the game but caught every play. How embarrassing, how embarrassing was that? My own father embarrassed me on TV and on all those fans as the guy. But, uh, you know, the NCAA, one of the reasons is because they blew the NIL the transfer portal. Totally mismanaged it. No vision with the NCAA. The Supreme Court voted nine to nothing. So this is another thing. It looks like they have obviously have poor leadership and have no plan and no vision on what to do.
1: I want to come to Rob with and, and then uh Why are they sending it to the conference instead of making a decision themselves?
5: Well, that I would guess that the reason to do that is they've had enough lawsuits, and if they can make the conference make a decision that is something that people might sue you over, then the conference can take the lawsuit and the NCAA doesn't have to. So these, more like the federal government and, and each state, the more the feds don't have to make the decision, the states have to do it, and if somebody screws it up, it's their problem,
4: not mine. I mean, okay. yeah, Doc, uh, I, mean, I, mean, that, I mean, that's the new trend of the NCAA. You go back to when COVID hit, and the decisions that everyone was talking about are we going to play, are we not going to play? The NCA did the same thing. Instead right. of just coming out and saying we are the NCA, this is what our membership has agreed on, this is what we're going to do, they left it up to the conferences, so nobody can come back and say, well, the NCA dropped the ball on that. They they let the conferences do whatever they wanted to do, and it just caused total chaos. And it's the same thing here: is they're putting it on the conference, so you can't really point the finger or blame them or say they didn't do it right or, or whatever but it, it's been the new trend for the NCA so I, I'm not really that surprised
1: okay let me jump to uh uh Francis, you and Tim same question uh what your thoughts on uh Michigan and then Tim
2: well well Duck until listening to everyone tonight I don't know if I realized the severity of this. Now, once I heard that, you know, whoever the scout was had been to over 33 games in three years and was in there, you know, with the Western Michigan or Central Michigan sweatshirt on most of the time, um, sunglasses at night, and then video, and, you know, okay, wow, um, that puts a new sin on um, and you're not trying if you're not cheating. So... Um, and I and I listened to Harbaugh today in his press conference. He really sound weird, but he said he was going to leave it up to the hearing. Obviously, they filed a grievance to end this suspension now at just one game. So he says he'll he'll talk more on Friday after he, um, you know, speaks at the hearing. So, but I, I'm not surprised that it's Harbaugh, but I am surprised at the rule and how he has used this and then sent this guy all over the country. And then the guy himself who they fired said, I never used the material. I just kept it at home. Okay, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: Precious, he, he built a file for himself for future as becoming a head coach.
2: Okay.
4: Yeah, of course he yeah. did. And I'm sure, where did, where did an analyst get the money to do all the traveling that he did?
2: Exactly. Where did that come from? Exactly.
1: <laughs> Follow the money yeah, somehow. You know, Hobart, well, you got to understand, and, and coming to you with it, Tim. Uh, How about really didn't know anything about this?
0: Oh, of course he did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, you know, of, of
1: course, you know. He, you know, he he
0: builds this this program up there where he watches everything that goes on. He, you know, he he's he's kicking guys out of the door when he walks in there the first the first couple of years he was there but no he doesn't know what's going on of course this guy's a low level nobody that you know just happened to be uh you know trying to you know be a part of the Michigan program um no i i think um i think that's hard to believe uh and i um i i i appreciate what i've heard here tonight from the coaches that this is a much more big deal than what i what i was thinking it was but you know i've never been in that position but um, yeah. uh, I, I also wonder uh, how hard they will come down on a Notre Dame, a Michigan, an Ohio State, or a Texas, or a Texas A&M, who have these huge athletic departments and these huge uh, uh, fan bases that they want in the national playoffs because that's more money. And I think Coach Ambrose mentioned it uh, early on. It's more money. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how hard they come down on Michigan. And and I agree with – I don't remember whether it was Coach Johnson or Coach Ambrose. Uh, If this was uh, Southwest Missouri State or even the University of Missouri or somebody, um, they would come down much harder and probably a little faster.
1: Well, uh, my thing is I I believe in uh, Coach Posey. From down here at UNCC, he said he's never seen Harbaugh do anything wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
3: hey, David, wasn't wasn't he suspended for the first three games of this year for either misleading the NCAA? And uh, that's now right. he's going to say he didn't he didn't know anything he didn't know anything about it. And I, I don't know if he's going that's going to fly after his three game suspension to start the season for misleading him. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right, right. I right, I want I want to stay right with you, coach, because I want to you know just for some of the listeners, you know, a lot of times we get questions asked to us, and we want to go to the the expert. So we want to know what are some of the issues that you run into as a coach, either a head coach or an assistant. Either. Or. Yeah, uh, for me, for me, David. Yes.
3: Well, to, to me, you know, as I saw that question, some of the hardest things I've, I've had to do as a head coach, uh, number one was was when I left Tulane, we went undefeated. I could not take the whole staff with me. Here's my first time as a head coach going undefeated. I've got a nice job like Clemson. There's going to be a lot more money. And the guys that help you go undefeated, you couldn't take them all. They're just for what reason or whatever. And you had to if they were – some of them I told them on the phone. The other ones I had to sit in the office and tell them face – I wanted to talk to them all face-to-face. Face. That was a hard decision. Firing somebody is a really, really hard decision. Not a guy that got caught uh, uh, mishandling uh, traveling expenses and things like that. But, I mean, a, a, a good guy that just didn't, for some reason, other to get it done and and then, uh, uh, you know, leaving leaving a school – is hard to do. Kicking a player off the team is very, very difficult to do, especially one that you know it's going to struggle uh, uh, with finances to pay for a scholarship because of maybe a socioeconomic background. So as a head coach, those are some of the toughest decisions that really you have to make as a head coach that are, that are to me really, really difficult to make.
1: Okay. Uh, coach Johnson, same question. As a, even as an assistant coach,
4: well, uh, you know, I've been mean, coaching on some really good points, and you know, coming from an assistant coach's standpoint, it's one of the, the hardest things. Sometimes is, uh, you know, when you take a job as assistant coach, obviously you you believe in the the, the path that the head coach is going to set. But once again, we're all humans. We're all we're all grown men. We're not always going to see eye to eye or agree on everything. So, as an assistant coach, one of the hardest things is when the, the head coach makes a decision or or sets the path and. Yeah. Maybe you might see it a little bit different, but at the end of the day, you got to guard your head and, and, and work it and show confidence in the head coach. And, and sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. And some guys don't understand how that. You mm-hmm. might want to voice your opinion maybe at the right time, but at the end of the day, the head man makes the decision, and you got to pick up the, 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 the barrel, wheelbarrow and push it along that way. And sometimes that's a that's, that's hard decision to make, and it's a hard pill to swallow from a. Pride standpoint because you might feel differently, but you know, that's why he's in the, in the big office and, and you're not. In, but uh, but that's part of being an assistant coach that you got to make fight through that and make that decision. But uh, that is sometimes a real tough situation to be in.
1: Okay, uh, Coach Ambrose. Oh, gosh, it's
5: a long list, and, and <laughs> there's some really good, good stuff that's already come out. I mean, I, you know, the the list is long, but you say cut and ties in any way, shape, or form with a staff member or a player. It, you know, we've all been so involved in sports. We know it, it's not a hobby. It's not something that we do. It's not a paycheck. It's it's in our blood. It's, we end up becoming some degree family with every person that we touch within this brotherhood of the game that we play. So that that one is always really harsh. Um Administrators that don't get it. You know, a bunch of people with uh, master's degrees in athletic administration that don't know if balls are stuffed or pumped, but somehow they get it, they get a chance to make decisions like, you know, fantasy football. Uh, delusional parents and spending spending too much time having to kick the apple far away from the tree because where they came from is not where they should be. And the ties that bind that drag them back down. Uh, trying to fight that fight with them. Uh, in the last five years, mental health. I, I've, I've seen things that I would have only read in books 20 years ago, and it would have been a fictional novel. And some of these kids are living a crazy life, and they just don't have a foundation to be able to handle some of the things that they have to deal with in the world. Uh, that That's a brand new one. Uh, and then the NIL – and the NCAA, well, they can go take a one-way trip to somewhere we probably shouldn't talk about. <laughs>
1: okay. When uh, I want to stay with you, uh, uh, Princess, uh, you and Kim, you know, you, you guys have a question on that part of it uh, that I just asked. Yeah.
0: No, no, Dusty, these are good questions, and I'm I'm, I'm just enjoying uh, the
1: perspectives that I'm getting from the coach.
2: Yeah, that's the same thing. I'm good.
1: Okay, I want to come back to you, Coach Ambrose, because when when coaches are talking about being being rewarded or 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 being you know having a reward for what they do, basically, what are, what are they talking about?
5: Are you talking like uh, like a bonus structure, like uh, win so many no, games uh, and
1: yeah, yeah, being rewarded for oh. Uh, you know participation, you know, with your team, uh, uh having a kid make all American, or uh, taking a kid that possibly rewarding. was would have possibly uh, went to the right instead of going to the left as far as doing the right thing. Oh,
5: that kind of rewarding. Oh my gosh! Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, honestly, that we, that's really why we do it. There really is no other reason. That we're just using the game of football to somehow make young men better better men, hopefully better leaders, better fathers, better husbands. And, and the game teaches us so much. And, and the guys on this call are pretty good at figuring out how to use the game to help better young kids. For me, I, you know, there's been thousands, I guess, and you can't remember them all and you won't. But what and I only speak for me, what I do remember is the losses and the ones that I couldn't reach and the ones that the game couldn't save, And those are the ones that make you reevaluate how you do it. So maybe you can add one more ring to the net and, and make sure that, that, you know, nobody falls through the cracks. Um, I will tell you that it's not, just, it's just not always getting them through college and getting that degree. Sometimes it's actually cutting them loose. And I have a young man, I don't, say his, I don't permission to say his name, but he came back to me and comes back to me. He finds me no matter where I am. I don't even work at my old job anymore. And he finds me once a year to thank me because, one, I'm the first person that told him no. I'm the first person that stopped him from digging his hole deeper. And he had to face himself. And he said, I screwed it all up when I was with you, but the seeds that you planted when I was with you grew after I left and now I'm proud of the things that I learned when I was there so the losses hurt the most um, but the greatest thing is watching them grow into the men they can become that's the reward
1: at least it is for me Okay. alright same thing uh, Coach Bout.
3: You, you know David uh, 32 years of coaching 12 as a head coach the, the number one most rewarding experience I signed a player uh, at Clemson. Uh, poor socioeconomic background. Uh, poor, poor, just barely qualified to get in, but he, but he had some character to him, and he was a tough, just, just a strong character guy. Uh, reading skills—we tested him. Reading skills were terrible. Uh, one of his professors had him and wrote me a letter, said, "This is the type of guy that Clemson should not have. He should never be here. He'll never graduate." I put the letter in my uh, desk, and then uh, four years later, when we played in the bowl game, he set a bowl-rushing record. He graduated in January, and I called him office and, and read him that letter, and we, and we both cried. But, uh, you know, he, that's the reward, uh, it, it, the relationship with players. And, and seeing uh, stories like that happen, guys overcome adversity. But just uh, And there's more than one, but uh, that would have been the top rewarding when you hear coaches talk about reward, I, I think most of them would rate the uh, uh, personal uh, human interest stories with players.
1: Okay. Coach Johnson?
4: Oh, no, I agree totally with uh, what's already been said. I mean, that's, I mean we all love uh, the X's and O's, obviously, uh, but that's not what we're really in this uh, business for. That's not what drives us and motivates us. You know, every day when we're, we're getting up at the crack of dawn and working till way past sunset. I mean, the the motivation is a relationship with the young men and and the, the stories that you just heard. I mean, that, that, that's amazing. I mean, I know I was at the University of Maryland, and mine was from high school. I, I walked out of my office after a game, and there's some guys, two guys, staring at me in the parking lot, and I didn't recognize them, be honest. And one of them just came up to me and said coach, it's me, so-and-so, you coached me in high school, and he was a young man that that was homeless for a while, and my wife and I, we took him in for a little bit, and I said, what are you doing here? And he's like, this is my son. I wanted him to meet my dad. And my wife was with me, and she's like, Lyndon, this is why you do the job. This is it. This is the reward. It's it's not the money. It's not all the the things that we can provide for our families. This is it right there, and... Um, you know, I think about him every day, and every time I have tough decisions to make in life. But uh, coaches have already touched on it. I mean, that's why we do what we do.
0: You know, Doug, okay. you know, Doug, This is this this is really interesting to me because, and I've had arguments with. I've got friends that are academics, and and um, you know, tend to tend to lean in the direction in which uh, Coach Bowden was talking about about young men and 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 business people too. Um, that's one of the beauties of sports is that a kid like that will get a chance. Coaches will take a chance on a kid that they see something in. In the business world, oftentimes they don't do that. In the academic world, they don't do it. They, they just dismiss these kids. And it's one of the beauties of sports. I, 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 just, I
1: just love that. Okay. Uh, I want to stay with you, Coach Johnson, because uh, what is the responsibility of an assistant coach are some of the responsibilities?
4: Well, uh, I mean, it, it, anytime you put the word "coach" on somebody, that the list of responsibilities is endless. But uh, you know, as assistant coach to me, the way I always viewed it, uh, I think I touched on it a little bit before is um, you, you got to believe in your, in your head coach and, and believe in the the uh, division, and it's our job as assistants to do whatever we can. To help the head coach's vision um, come true, and like I said, there might be times and that we might have differences of opinions. Obviously, you know, I I worked with Coach Ambrose, and uh, and Coach Ambrose <laughs> and I are personal friends, and but I don't agree with every word that comes out of his mouth. But at the end of the day, I was his assistant coach, and it was my job to do whatever I could do to help his vision uh, come to fruition. And sometimes I voiced my opinion against what he wanted to do, and we talked it through as men. But at the end of the day, I said, hey, Rob, you're the head coach, and it's my job as the assistant coach to get your vision out there <clears throat> and get it in mind the way you want, because I believe in you. That's why I chose to work work for you. And I think mean, that's what I try to tell a lot of young assistant coaches. When you take a job, man, because we put so much into this. It can't just be just for the money. You've got to really believe in what you're doing and who you're doing it for, in my opinion, to be happy and to be successful. And that was my approach as an assistant coach. Um,
1: and that's how I saw it. that. That was our number one job. Okay. I want to uh, come to you, Coach Ambrose. The process <clears throat> of you hiring assistant coaches, kind to take us through that. Oh,
5: Doc, I love this question. Thank you.
1: Uh,
5: <laughs> and then only because it, it uh, because it makes me think of my dad. Uh, I, my dad's a high school coach and has been for quite some time. I'm probably like 10 years old, maybe 12 years old. And he is interviewing a defensive back coach. And he makes me sit in on the interview. Uh, truth be told, I was 10 and 12. If I didn't sit on the interview, God knows what the hell I was going to get into. So that's probably what he wasn't doing it like he was projecting me to be a football coach one day. He just needed me not to screw anything up. <clears throat> so I sat and listened to it, and I remember the guy's name. His name was Paul Dumars. And after the interview, we're driving home, and he said, Dad said, so what do you think? I said, what do I think? I, said, I don't know. It sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And my dad smacked me the back of the head. He goes, "No, you <laughs> can't." He said, "What he knows and what he doesn't know. If he doesn't know it's some stuff, we can teach him that." He's got to be one of us. You know, I'm going to spend more time with that guy for six months than I'm probably going to spend with your mother. He's got to be one of us. He's got to do it for the same reasons we do it. He's got. I, I can't. And I had no idea that that whole episode happened in my life until I became a head coach and had to interview my first guy. Wow. And I don't honestly think true words could have been spoken. Uh, you know, you're, as a head coach, you're in a position, obviously you position because someone thinks that you're pretty good at this and that you're a good person and you're going to well represent not only the football program but the university and the town in which it's hit. And if you are that type of person, then you're going to want to hire like-minded people. And, uh, Hire good people; good things tend to happen. And you know, to hire guys like Lyndon Johnson. What do you mean, Lyndon? You didn't agree with me every time. What? Why you tell these people this stuff? That's not true.
1: That's so not true. You're right. I made
4: I made that part up. You're right.
1: <laughs> okay. All right, Coach Bowden. Same question.
3: You know, uh, uh, I, I think there's two things. You know, as you, as you look at coaches, at least when I was the head coach hiring you, know, you can hire a guy that's really experienced, you got a tremendous background resume on X's and O's, a coordinator at calls plays or, or one of those guys, or a recruiter. When I hired Dabo Sweeney, I had a resume about four pages thick on guys he had signed. One of the reasons I signed Billy Nature at Florida, he was a, a great recruiter. And as I got older, I said, hey, if i got to make a choice, you can't have them both. You, you, you pick a recruiter or you pick an X and o guy. I, 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 I leaned and favored recruiters as I got older. So when I looked for assistant coaches, uh, I, I tried to find the guys that had the best resume as, as a recruiter. The team with the best players usually wins. And I remember being a young coach with my father, and, and, and uh, he, he, he had a weak, weak side sweep. Uh, and and the pre pre safety is unblocked. I said, Well, what happens if the guy rolls down at a safety You ain't got a blocker for him. He says he'll make it miss. <laughs> I said, Okay, <laughs> sounds good to me. But uh, so as I as I got older, looked for assistant coaches. I wanted recruiters first, and then uh, I wanted X and O guys second. If if I had to make a choice, obviously guys that like uh, Billy Napier, Dabo Sweeney, Brent Venables. Those guys are X and O guys and can recruit. That's probably why they're going to be good head coaches. But uh, that's what I would look for And looking for, for an assistant. Okay. I want to stay with you. What are some of the reasons that college
1: teams fall on hard times or have difficult seasons?
3: You, uh, you know, I, I think a couple things. Number one, you got an unusual rash of injuries. You know, it's a collision sport. It's a contact sport. And, but you have a, an unusual amount at, uh, at center. I remember my father one time got got three centers hurt, first team, second team, and, and his third team center hurt. And I always prepared. I had four or five ready after I, I saw that as a young GA. But injuries and, and then, of course, nowadays the transport portal, guys, guys will leave. and uh, But I think the, the injury – uh and then the train guys leaving transfer portal uh would would be two big reasons that you don't don't have success and and sometimes uh duck you can get you can just get bad leadership you've done a poor job of recruiting you haven't done, done a good job of the character and you, and, you, and you get a bunch of bad apples together and, and, and they kind of take the team down so uh of course that's the head coach's job not to let that happen but unfortunately sometimes you get in a situation where it takes you a year or so to get out of it so uh, I, I'd say uh, the uh, the injury factor, transfer portal now, and then, then team morale. A lot of times you can lose. I was very fortunate. Twelve years as head coach, it, it, I, I never had that rash where I, where I had a two win or three. I always had a winning season or better. But again, I was fortunate that I never had a poor a stretch a, a, a stretch of injuries that that would have cost me uh, where uh, you, you couldn't make up. With with X's nose. Okay,
1: same question, Coach Johnson.
4: No, I believe uh, you know, Coach. You know, the, the three big ones. Um, you know, the the one that I believe is probably the, the biggest and, uh, or the hardest to come back from is that lack of leadership. You can lose the locker room a little bit. And sometimes it does happen, but because of injuries, you know, injuries happen to. Uh, your main guys and certain guys that uh, are forced into a playing situation don't know how to uh, handle the other aspect of being the guy that's playing a lot, and that's the, 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 the handle of a locker room situation, that 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 leadership off the field where the coaches aren't around. If you don't have the right guys in those positions, you can have all the the X's and O's answers that you want. It's just not going to happen. And like Coach said, sometimes it happens because. You know, maybe you did, had a bad year or two of recruiting and and you just don't have it in your locker room, or the guys that were those people aren't in that position. Because we all know you're 17, 18, you're listening to people different, whether they're playing or not playing. Uh, all of a sudden, a guy who you may not have listened to one time all year, all of a sudden he's in a playing role, and you're listening to every word that comes out of his mouth. So uh, I think that's the biggest one that that can get teams is that when you lose that that leadership in the locker room.
1: Okay, uh, Coach Ambrose.
5: I can't I can't disagree with anything. These guys, I mean, you guys are hitting it dead on. I, you know, the depth issue, and the, you know, I've been through a season where we lost six starters in like the first two weeks with knee injuries for the season, and that's a, that was a game changer. Um, but the, with the transfer aspect of the portal and everything, you know there's depth with the injuries and then what, what I think Linda was talking about in the locker room, it's was too is cultural depth. That, you know say say you're running the table and you got a bunch of seniors and they all graduate or a bunch of guys transferred out and your leaders are gone and there's not a, enough of your foundation of your culture left in the locker room. And that next year is just a free-for-all. And yet it's like you have to reteach them all over again. And I don't think that's going to get any better anytime soon. It's it's going to be a little bit of a JC mentality where you're going to have to find a way to mold these guys in a very short period of time. And it's not going to be you're not going to be able to grow a kid for five years. And while you can't grow a kid for five years, or at least a lot of them, that you're going to lose have some big holes in you know, the wall that is your culture. They're just not going to be there anymore. So uh, it's going to be a challenge moving forward.
1: Okay. I want to stay with you, Coach Ambrose, because uh, I want to know and how difficult for a head coach or a staff to follow a legend, you know, a.k.a. Coach Bouton, a.k.a. Paterno. How difficult would that be?
5: Oh, gosh. I I mean, what well, we've seen a couple times, you know, over the years. And, I mean, who, who followed Coach Turner? Billy? I, and I, I, it's incredible. I know the guy that I followed coached for 15 years. and I, I think it's an incredibly challenging, humbling thing just to even be a head coach but to have to fill the shoes and the expectations of a guy who's as amazing as coach on this call and the father of the coach on this call. Like, that, uh, uh it's a pretty humbling experience just to think about. It. And, uh, I know it's, it's, I wouldn't turn it down, but you got to understand, being a head coach is hard enough as it is. Following in the footsteps of a God, there's not a lot of room for error.
1: Okay. Uh, Coach Johnson, being on the staff for following the legend
4: yeah i mean it's it's
1: it's, a, it's it's almost a little bit of a,
4: a no-win uh scenario the target if if you're if you're working at it and the transition's smooth and you're very successful well you're just you're just living off of that legend uh what it, the stuff that he already did it's nothing that you're doing everyone's going to say well that was already there you, you you're picking it up from where he left yeah. off and then if things don't go well, it's a little bit bumpy. Well, you just destroyed a, a legend's legacy. So <laughs> it, it's a rough deal. And we I, I've kind of been there once and twice. And, um, it, it, you just got to keep your, the blinders on and keep grinding and keep working. But it, sometimes it can be a double-edged sword and it's a, a no-win scenario for you.
1: I, uh Coach Bowden.
3: Well, you know, the, the best way is to do what Jimbo did when he replaced my father. He won 10 games, he won a national championship, and then he left. So, so he, did, he did the smart, smart thing. He got out of there quick. But there's, a, there's only one solution to the issue. is if you, uh, I remember I think it was Ray Perkins that re- replaced Bear Bryant. You've got to win, and, and you need to win a bunch. You need to win as much as the predecessor, as, as the legend did, and uh, but other than that, it's just about a no-win situation. And even if you win, you might not win big enough, and you might not win the right way by run the ball, by defense, or special, whatever the whatever the case may be. But man, it's 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 very difficult. And I would not turn a job down because following the legend. I think most coaches are competitors, and they think they can you know they can they think they can be successful whatever the environment that they go into. But I think the only solution to replacing a legend is, is winning and, and winning big. Yeah. Can I okay. ask a question?
0: Oh. Yeah. Coach Bowden mentioned something a moment ago about how, um, you know, he, if he if he had his brothers and he had to make a decision between an X's and O's guy and a, and a tremendous recruiter. Um, I know young coaches who are moving up the ladder from assistant coach to uh, get an mm-hmm. opportunity to be a head coach, you're going to take that job. But if you've been a head coach before and you have some options, um, how much does the recruiting uh, uh, area that you're working with have to do with whether you take one job or another, uh, i.e., uh, when you were at Tulane, you've got a very fertile recruiting ground down there in Louisiana with some really good high school football. If you're in Georgia, you get got really good high school football. If you go to Wyoming, you get got a different situation. Even though you're not playing at the same level of competition, uh, how how much does that come into play—the the the recruiting uh, area that you have to work with?
3: Well, I think it's it's a tremendous factor. There's no doubt about it. And when you're in a non-populated state like Clemson, South Carolina, in the state of South Carolina that's not heavily populated, then you better be able to go north to Virginia or south to Georgia. Uh, Of course, there's water on one side and Mountains on the other, so you got to go right. up and down. But but you, the the Wyoming, the North Dakota, South Dakota, those places out there that uh, that aren't very heavily populated, uh, man, you, you you would really. I, I think if you're a young coach wanting to move up and and really can and and trying to to to, to select your places. But, but most coaches are are just glad to get a head coaching job and they'll say, hey, if I don't have the players, I'll do it with X's and O's, you know, and find find some way to win and and then get to the next place that has access to players. but Well, that's definitely a factor. I know when I took the Tulane job, I thought just like what you said, hey, LSU, you talk about that, Louisiana, the best, you got Les Miles won a national championship, Nick Saban won a national championship, Ed Ordron won a national championship, three different coaches, three different backgrounds, three different personalities. There's a reason for that in the state of Louisiana. So oh, yeah. uh, they had a lot of players, players but but you're right, that's, that is a factor.
0: I'm good, though. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, I want to stay with you, uh, Coach Broughton. We're going to go pretty quick on this. Uh, I'm going to ask you who you're benching uh, between Kansas and Kansas State.
3: Now, I saw that. Give me what benching means. What do you mean by benching, just so I can clarify my answer? (laughs) The team that you're not going for. The team oh, that
1: you're not choosing.
3: You know, I I, I I I would pick Kansas, but I like both those guys should be head coaches somewhere else. <laughs> I like both the coaches. <laughs> I pick, I pick Kansas over Kansas State, but I'm I'm in love with both them coaches.
1: Okay, Rob Ambrose, who you benching? Kansas or Kansas State? Oh, that's a flip of
5: a coin. Yeah, these are two great coaches, two great programs uh, who who have taken programs that are. In a place that's hard to win, and they're making it look easy. I, I I'll just be a contrarian since Coach said Kansas, State, K State, but it's
4: okay. it's coin toss.
1: All right, Coach Johnson, who you benching? Kansas, Kansas State.
3: Uh
4: yeah, I agree with both guys. I mean, it's a tough choice, but I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Coach Leopold. I mean, he's he's doing it at Buffalo now. He's doing it at Kansas. Those are two tough places to win. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm gonna take him and bench That's Kansas true. State.
1: <laughs> All right, Francis, who you benching, Francis?
2: I'm gonna bench Kansas and go with Kansas State. All right,
1: Tim, yeah. who you benching? Oh, I like,
0: uh, I like Kansas State. I think.
1: Okay, staying right with you, Tennessee versus Georgia. Who you benching?
0: <laughs> it's going to be a long day
1: for uh, folks in Knoxville. So. <laughs> okay. All right, Prince, who are you benching? Tennessee or Georgia?
2: Can I bench both of them? They're both in the SEC. <laughs> <M-C-E.
3: laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um,
2: if I had to pick, um, I don't want Rocky Top to do anything, so I'm benching Rocky Top.
1: All right, uh, Coach Johnson, who are you benching?
4: Well, you know, I think the, I have a feel for what the obvious choice is, but just to be different right now, I'm going to go Georgia.
3: Oh,
4: okay. What? Coach
3: Bowden. Francis uh, 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 Pr- couldn't have said it better. Benchin, I'm benching Rocky Top. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, Coach Ambrose, who are you benching? You can leave all that orange on the bench. I'm right with everybody else. <laughs> <Let them down. laughs>
2: all
1: right, I'm going to stay with you. Who are you benching, Utah or Arizona? Mm.
5: I think Utah's going to answer the bell. Arizona.
1: Okay. Coach Bowden, who you benching, Utah or Arizona? I'm,
3: I, bench, benching Arizona. I'm, I'm a Kyle Whittingham fan, and uh, – I'm, I'm going to go with Utah. I'm going to put uh, uh, Arizona on the bench.
1: All right, Prince, who are you benching?
3: I'm going to bench
2: Arizona. That's tough for me to say. I'm, I'm going to bench Arizona. <laughs> Kyle hands. <Winneham. laughs>
1: Let's go. Who are you benching, Tim? Well,
0: I'm unanimous with the rest of them. I'm benching Arizona, although they're having a good season. Uh, I don't think they're ready for that.
4: Okay, uh,
1: Coach Johnson, who you
4: benching? Yeah, I'm staying, staying with everyone else. I'm a huge I'm a huge WDM
1: fan, so I'm gonna
4: go. I'm gonna bench Arizona. I'
1: right, staying right with you. Washington, Oregon State, who you benching?
4: Oh man, first one. I'm, I'm gonna go with the with the Huskies. I, I love I love Penix. Uh, I wish the defense was playing a little bit better, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I love Penix, so I'm gonna bench uh, Oregon State.
1: All right, Coach Ambrose, who are you benching? Oregon State. I love that kid. I, I, He
5: is electric. He is electricity on top of electricity. And, oh, and, uh, very, very impressed. And I think they do a great job at what they do. Yeah, I'm definitely a Washington fan. Set those other guys down. All
1: right. Coach Bowden, who are you benching?
3: I'm benching. Oregon State because Dabo's done bench that quarterback once. I'm, I'm going to bitch him again, so I'm going to with Washington.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim, who you bitching?
0: Oh, wow. You know, I think this is going to be a really good football uh, game. Um, but I'm I'm going to bench Oregon State um, even though they, well, anyway, I'm going to bench Oregon State.
1: All right, Preston, who you benching?
2: I'm been to Oregon State too, but I'm glad the change of scenery for DJ. U, am not going to try to mess up his last name. Has done him well. <laughs> um, you know he had enough chances at Clemson, but I, I'm you know I'm I'm glad to see that he's doing well. But I like Michael Penix Jr. Um, and his whole story. I, I want to see him do well and get to the Final Four.
1: All right, I'm going to stay with you, Princess. Give me your, give me your, uh, your top five college football.
2: Wow. Um, Okay, Ohio State, Georgia, um, Michigan, Washington, and FSU at five. If I could put them at six, I would, but that would look like I don't know what I'm doing.
3: (laughs) There's hate. There's hate in that voice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tim, give me your top five,
3: Tim.
0: Georgia's number one until they get beat. Um, Somebody's got to beat them first. They're they're, they're the champs. and I think Florida State's the sec- second best team in the country. Um, everybody's talking, talking about a <laughs> schedule for Ohio State, but Florida State has they beat they beat LSU worse than anybody has. They dominated LSU. Uh, they beat a very good Notre Dame team, um, and uh, and they beat a pretty good Duke team. Um, so Clipson, and, and, a, and, good, and and a fairly decent Clemson team. Yeah, I, I think Florida State's number two. Uh, number three, uh, Michigan. Uh, number four, Washington. Number five, Ohio State. Okay, Uh,
1: Coach Johnson, give me
4: your five. Uh, Coach, he just hit on the head. It's right there. To me, it's Georgia. Uh, I'm going to go
1: Washington,
4: two, Florida State, three, and Michigan, four, and Ohio
1: State, five. Okay. Coach Ambrose. Uh, Georgia, one. Michigan, two.
5: Washington, three. Florida State four. Ohio State five.
2: Wow. None of you right? all agree Coach. with the with the college football playoff committee. <laughs> no. I, don't
5: don't
0: get
4: Coach me started five. on that committee. Uh, is that a good or a bad <laughs> thing? <That's
3: laughs> a good uh, thing? I'm I'm gonna go Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, number five right now. Okay.
1: All right, Princess, take us out of here, Princess.
2: At least Coach Bowden and put him at number two. Tim Moore can't come back <laughs> on <him>. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you. Lyndon Johnson, um, uh, Rob Ambrose, and also Tommy Bowden, I appreciate you all being on. This is awesome. I love doing this with you all. Great answers tonight. Great questions, Duck and Tim, for sure. Um, have a great week, and if we don't talk anymore, have a great Thanksgiving next week, okay? Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank
1: you guys. Amen. Happy Amen. Thanksgiving. All right,
2: we're gonna get yeah, happy Thanksgiving. We're gonna get out of the way here and come back with the experts here at the top of the hour in about two minutes. Never had it so good.